to the lighthouse. All right, we have a very, very, very dynamic class, how to get unstuck. Guaranteed ways on how to get unstuck. Believe it or not, I meet a lot of people that are stuck. And one of the gifts that God gave me is how to get people unstuck. And we're going to hear major, amazing, amazing sources. And guaranteed are guaranteed. Put it in the bank. It's guaranteed. If something's not working, it's something you're doing. It's not, not the information. Remember that concept. It's guaranteed. You have to have patience, but these are guaranteed. Guaranteed to work. A lot of the times is, is the belief about these things. This is very, very important. Nothing's new under the sun. You need to remember that. There's nothing new under the sun. Our sages have already gave us recipes on how to get unstuck. We're all going to get stuck in life. There's no question. We're all going to get stuck. What is being stuck in life? It's like an infection. What happens when you have an infection in your life? The blood gathers in that area. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is create blood flow. And without creating that blood flow, that infection is still, still there. The same thing in life. We have to create flow. If we just sit there and, and, and harness and just wait for that things to change without us changing, that's where the infections in our life become. So our job is really to move. We really, really got to get into a solution-oriented uh, mindset. So number one, we don't see things how they are. We see things how we are. That's the number one concept. It's a big, that's, that's a big aha moment. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. So the, the assumption is, when we become better, we see things differently. That's, I hope everybody can hear me. Good? Everybody can hear me in uh, TV land over there? Wonderful. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. The greater the consciousness, the better, the more we see things is completely different. If all of a sudden, let's say, we start embracing trust in our Creator. Before, things were seen as a threat. Now they're seen as a challenge. Same challenge, same situation. All of a sudden, becomes a, takes on a whole different meaning. This is ultimately what we have to get in our lives. We have to get into that seeing things completely, completely different. Before we're seeing things as a victim, now we're seeing things as a co-creator. Very important. I can't stress that enough because this thing, things are always going to happen. But when we see things differently, things take on a different meaning and we get different results. And those are the things that I'm trying to really, really, really get people to, to, to look above, go above the situation instead of getting stuck in the situation. We know that we're, we all get stuck in our emotions and we know that our emotions are the ones doing, doing the majority of the damage. And the most common thing that I, that I deal with people is they're focusing on too much of how, what they're going through instead of where they want to go. Remember that concept. If you focus on what you're going through, you're not going to get many, much results. If you focus on where you want to go, you're going to get all the results. So that's the, really, really the key is to identify the issue but put the energy into the solution, not into the problem. Very, very important. I'm going to, I'm going to start the class by giving you an amazing, amazing story. And this story really, I think, pretty much nails any situation that you're going through. And this, this story was written by Rabbi Weiss, I believe. I believe his name is Rabbi Weiss. But he gave us a story, an analogy on why exactly we read Petach Eliyahu. We read Petach Eliyahu every single day. Some of us do. What Petach Eliyahu is about is really making synergy in the spheroids. So it's not like the Petach Eliyahu is all about unification of spheroids. Very, very important concept. What does he say? We find that many Kabbalists, including the Chida, the Ramah, speak about the importance of, of, of reading Petach Eliyahu. It's something, again, it's a, it's a prayer, it's an introductory prayer before we, we start saying Shachrit. Because remember, the problem in, in our life is not really the situation, it's the position we're in. We're not in the right position, we're not aligned. We're not aligned with God's will sometimes. We're fighting things in life, we're not, we're resisting it, we're fighting reality. The problem is not the, it's the situation, it's the alignment issue. And common sense, you know, you're driving in the car, and all of a sudden your car's pulling over to four lanes. Ah, something's wrong with the steering wheel. No, you're not aligned. An emergency, you would, you would see, hey, something's wrong with the car. So every time I want to go right, the car is going left, and it's going into other people's lanes. So what are people going to tell you? Get in your lane! So you can see here, it's not really about sometimes working harder or doing much. It's, it's that we're, we're fighting the position. We've got to put ourselves in a position to win. Very, very important. Positioning. 
and alignment with your Creator's will is very, very important because obviously, like we spoke about in last week's class, the essence of knowledge is recognizing we know nothing. So sometimes we have to take very, very vicious roads in life and, and roads that you never would expect you'd be in. But ultimately those roads will lead you to a beautiful destination. But if you want to get to the destination, you've got to be willing to take the road. So the Kabbalah speak about this concept. And once I read this, I think I read this seven years ago, it was a tremendous game changer for me. It was a tremendous game changer for me. Because it taught me how to pray, believe it or not. I was praying the wrong way. I was praying the wrong way. The first thing to note is there are two approaches really to prayer. One is a very common method of prayer, but there's some problems with it. While the other is really is the proper way to prayer. We have to break down the components of prayer into three ways. First, it's the person praying, the situation, and Hashem. Remember, those are the three, 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 three situations. It's Hashem, the person praying, and the situation. The Pilsner Rebbe would say that there's only really two types of experiences, good or bad. When we find ourselves in a not-a-good experience, we turn to Hashem using the most common method of tefillah, which is stop the experience, stop the experience, change the experience, or prevent the experience from happening. Right? It's a common method. Get me out of this issue. Stop it. I don't want to deal with this, etc. It's a very common way. So we're basically assuming that you're going in there and you're changing your creator's mind this is a very fine and natural reaction, but there's a problem. Number one, we're approaching this prayer thinking that Hashem changes his mind. Number one, that's a big no-no. Hashem doesn't change his mind. There's a passage that says in Malachi, I, Hashem, do not change. So there you go. Anytime you're trying to pray Hashem, change Hashem's mind, it's clearly, clearly, it's already, you're in the wrong lane. Number two, I can change Hashem's mind. Number two, X. <laughs> Number three, this is the biggest one. This experience should change without me changing. That's the big, woo! And this is the most common situation in their lives. People want the thing to be fixed, and they don't want to have anything, you know, change. Why do you, why do you think you got in the first place? You got a bad lottery number, you got a bad zip code, you understand? This experience should change without me changing. It's a, that's almost like going to expecting a UPS package that's never, that's never coming. <laughs> it's never coming. That's how ridiculous it sounds. Where's the package? The package is never sent. You understand? You have to understand that everything that happens to you is happening for your, for your benefit or to wake you up in some way or another. But if, if I should go through an experience, and I should say, this should be changed without any growth in that situation, or without any change, you missed the whole boat. You missed the whole boat. You literally missed the whole point of that situation. And this is really the difference between people getting stuck because they're too busy fixing, changing this, change this, change this, without them saying anything. This is the number one way to get stuck. Change somebody else, or you, you that situation changing without you changing. It's a guaranteed way to get stuck. And it's also an arrogant form, also, because you're saying, I'm good, but the situation needs to be changed. I'm good, though. You understand the form of arrogance? It's a form of American arrogance. And God brought you into that situation in order to you reflect. But when you pray for that situation to change without you changing, automatically, you're already, you're, gonna, you're guaranteed really to get stuck. So, in contrast, the other type of tefillah, the more Kabbalistic form, the same components, the person, the situation, and Hashem. But the difference is, you're not asking Hashem to change, because Hashem does not change. Your Creator does not change. Hashem has and will always be the same. I cannot change Hashem's mind, so what am I praying for? What am I praying for? I'm actually praying that I should change. That I should have a different perspective in that situation. Instead of hating that person, all of a sudden I'll find a way to give them mercy. Instead of taking it personal, I'll find a way to recognize hurt people, hurt others. We just gave a class the other day. We are victims of victims. If I go through an unfortunate situation, I ask Hashem to help me change. The Kabbalistic explains that Hashem loves us, wants us to do good, and everything Hashem sends us is for the best. Therefore, when we come to tefillah, 
thinking that I, that Hashem does not change, therefore all, all the work is on me. That means there's no, this is not changing. It's almost like a Moroccan mother-in-law. Yeah, it's not going to change for nothing. You know, it's either you change the, the, the mindset, you change how you look at her, or you're stuck with Mabucha your whole life. You start enjoying the Mabucha, love the Mabucha, but that Mabucha is going to be Mabucha. If you want it to be ketchup, you're done. Kaddish, you're done. Forever. You understand? I love my mother. I'm just giving you an example. People, the people that go in there trying to exchange the exterior without fixing the interior, it's the, it's the number one way to get stuck in life. Think about in your lives when you've gotten stuck for a long time and, and, and realize this is exactly what happened. Right? You try to change your spouse, you try to change this, and you recognize, uh, I'm in the wrong, uh, I was doing the wrong thing. So let's get back to this concept. So now we know that God does not change and that situation cannot get better unless there's a stimulus from me, then I, I, my whole effort now is going to be on how to fix, change the situation, how to change, how to look at this, like Wayne Dyer says, when, it, when you change the way you look at things, the things that you look at will change. Because now you're in a heightened perspective. You're in a different perspective. Okay, the key is here to go from a constriction consciousness to an expansion consciousness. This is really the shift that we're trying to get in prayer. Prayer, you should, the, the point of prayer, like we said many times, or the prayer of anything, is to go from a small concept, to go from a bad mood, into a, wow, I wasn't, never thought of it like that. I never saw that angle. That's how you know something good came out of it. The punishment became the biggest blessing. Then you shifted your consciousness. And what's going to happen now? Our, in reality, our goal is to come to tefillah, and get a higher level of consciousness and to see from everything from Hashem's side as chesed. You know, back then, when I was 23 years old and I lost a million dollars gambling in the wrong lifestyle, I said, if I didn't lose that million dollars gambling and, and, and whatever lifestyle I was in, I would have married the wrong person, I would have been in the wrong lifestyle, my life would have been a disaster. But back then, it was a disaster. And I was saying, how, why would you do this to me? How can you, why didn't you do this to the stock? You could have made it. What, in six months, I was trying to busy, I was so frustrated how it happened to me. If it didn't happen to me now, at the level that I am today, I'm almost like embarrassed. So like, I didn't, never saw that angle. But when you're stuck, you only see the negative. You only see the, 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 you only see the din. And if you only see the din, you get what you focus on. That's the problem. We get what we focus on. You, you focus on din, you're going to get din. Focus on your, fa your father's cool. This is what, how you're going to see. You won't see the you won't see the, the chesed in that item. That's the toughest thing. Our goal is to reach a higher level of consciousness to see everything from chesed and love and rulership. This is why the ultimate goal in Rosh Hashanah. You're going to recognize when we on Rosh Hashanah. There's no requesting nothing. You want to request everything. We, all we do is crown God. We crown. We coronate. God's, you coronate the king. Because when you coronate the king, you're basically saying, I accept everything that God does in my life, it's good. Because how could you even get repentance, and how could you even get to the next step, if you think you, the king's, uh, he made a mistake? Understand? You have to first connect to the king, coronate the king, accepting, praising the king. Then, the consciousness changes. But if I'm fighting with the king, and saying, hey, the king made a mistake, pretty much guaranteed to lose that, that battle. So this is the number one thing we really, really have to go. And this is why our sages say that anger is a loss of consciousness. One of the chances, number one, when, you, when you're angry, you lose your consciousness. You lose, you forget what anything is. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was angry, forgot what he learned. A person that studies Torah, when he's angry, loses what he learns. Because consciousness is gone. You're trying to pray God. Pray God. Pray God. The Noach Melimelech says, this is beautiful. He says he, he was, he, there was a great story. He was found in the city. And there was a terrible plague in the city. He fasted for three days to stop and, and, and break the plague. To annul this break from Shemaim. When he eventually passed out from hunger, the Magadah Meslech, his Rebbe, came to him in a vision. The Noach Melimelech asked the Rebbe, why is there such a bad situation in this plague? The Magadah answered, 
this vantage point, he can't see this clearly. He had to go in the higher world and to see if his, if his claim is really validated, that there's a plague and it's really bad, etc. He went up there and he says, the, 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 the Magid says, I don't understand, everything in heaven looks good. I don't know why you're, so, you're in so much pain. As soon as he heard that, all of a sudden, started, he became a changed person. Oh, really? Everything good is in heaven? All of a sudden, he started dancing and celebrating in the middle of suffering. Now a changed person, realizing that there was a big, much bigger story going on in his perspective back then, that was only the, the plague, but he realized there's a much bigger story going on that, that's happening that I don't see <laughs> pretty much what's going on today. Even though he didn't understand it, with that realization, he began dancing, and within a few minutes, the whole town started dancing. And the heavenly decree was broken. And this all happened because he changed himself. Then, you know, this constant story is your life, by the way. This is not a, I'm not here to tell stories at 8.30 on Tuesday. I'm here to explain to you that he recognizes a much bigger plan going on. And each of our lives, there's a much bigger plan going on. And you, your job is to really, really put yourself in a position to receive that. But because we don't see things the right way, we see things only in Kavnut. We don't see the big, the, big, the big picture never happens. And we're too busy, too busy numbing the situation. You understand the problem with addictions? You're, tr you're stopping the whole story from happening. You're, you're stopping the whole story's closed. <laughs> I, the story can't happen if I'm numbing the situation. You can't heal what you numb, correct? So you, that, the situation will never happen. Because it can't, it can't happen because you have to, the only way you're going to see the miracle is in an expanded consciousness. And seeing that situation is a much bigger plan. From this is what happened. What, did it, what happened to Noam Elimelech? He shifted his consciousness from small Kavnut to Gadlut. And what happened? The Shefa that was coming down changed from a Kavnut to a bigger Shefa. You understand? God did not change. But he, what happens is, is the, the Shefa, the blessing was always coming down. But what happens is he now had a much bigger vessel. And he was able to get much more blessing because his mindset changed. So his vessel got bigger. And what happens is, the vessel, he was able to grasp more light. Same thing with our lives. You can only get what, you, what you're, you're holding. You're only as good as your vessel. You understand? The bigger the vessel, the more God wants to give you. But there's never, there's never a problem with light. The light's always there. It's just we have to remove the darkness from our lives. We have to remove the, the walls, etc. And this is exactly what happens in, in, in our lives. As our sages say, a person's wisdom lights up his face. Wisdom will give him the light. When a person has chokhmah, he has light on his face. He, he doesn't pray to change the situation. He prays to change himself and to look at that situation completely different. So basically, when I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm holding hate for somebody, I'm holding hate and animosity towards somebody, what is that teaching me? It teaches me I need to meditate instead of hate. <laughs> you understand? When you're somebody who's really bothering you and you hate that person, you need to start meditating. Because something's wrong with you. Not that person. That means you're not seeing that person the right way. And if you don't have two minutes to meditate, you need two hours to meditate. People tell me, I don't, I don't have two minutes. You need two hours to meditate. If you don't have two minutes to meditate, you need a long time to meditate. Because that means everything's complete. Because there's no solution to the situation. Because you, we, don't, we don't even know how, how we're thinking. How are you going to fix the problem? This is the society of checking out, checking out. And why society is, is because they're not approaching God, they're avoiding God. And you cannot get a Yeshua by avoiding God, no matter what happens. You need to understand that. Avoidance does not work. Blaming does not work. Changing consciousness works. Meditating Believe it or not, there's three ways, as our sages say, when a person has a decree, there's three things he could do. Number one, some is a fast, right? You're going to see these three things have the same letters. Kol, which is voice. Mamon, which is money. These all have the same numerical value as 130. These same three things have the power to 
nullify the thing. Nullify the thing. You could see here, there's nothing happening here outside. This happening, that person is all of a sudden forced to change, to create some kind of shefa, to create some kind of thing in heaven. Let's talk about the first one. Let's talk about song. What is it, what is fasting do? How come, how come we fast? The Nachat says something absolutely beautiful. There's other ones. I'm going to give you about five or six ways that you can change, you can get unstuck. What does fasting do? Rabbi Nachman says when you fast, this is why anytime there's a bad, bad there's, a, there's like a decree in the town, what do they tell us? Fast. Because what happens is the decree, the reason why there's a decree is because something went wrong. Every day you have, there's a certain amount of light that comes down in that day. Okay? Every single day light comes down, blessing comes down to that person every single day. Every single day has a different blessing. But what happens is, that light, you're not getting any of that light because you're in darkness. You're in a dark state of mind, right? That's the reason why we need to get dark. Fasting allows you, just like when I'm fasting, where, do, where am I taking the energy from? I'm taking it from yesterday's meal. So what I can do is I can go backwards. Imagine going backwards. Re rewind a lot of messes in life. Imagine going backwards, how you can fix, rectify things in the past. By fasting, just like I take the food and I take the energy from yesterday. I'm not getting energy from today. I, don't, I didn't need anything. How am I surviving? You're taking yesterday's energy. So Nachman says when you, when you fast, you could revive the olden days that were, that, were, that were swallowed up, that had no light. So I can fast today and I can go into Tuesday or I can go into Monday and fix Monday's headache. How come that's why when a person has a bad dream, what do they tell them? Fast. Because what happens is, he probably got a, a bad dream to wake him up. And that bad dream is waking him up. Something happened that God wants to get his attention. After he fasts, he's able to go back into that same day and revive that day that was dead. Because that day had no light. So how do you do it? You, you go backwards. <laughs> Instead of going, back, going backwards. So some sacrificing, giving up and fasting is one way that our sages say we can break a decree by fasting. Our sages always used to fast before there would be a big decree. Just like we had to fast right now in Megillah's Esther. We, go, we always have these fasts. All of these things are doing what? You're rectifying the past. You're rectifying those fallen days that had no light. So it was one of the things that's good to once in a while to even fast for even a person doesn't have to have fast. Just to clear, that's why it's unbelievable that one thing that works when you fast is your mind. Somehow your mind gets uh working better. Specifically, why a fast? Because the liver is, gets a break. And the liver is usually the organ that's, it's, that's in charge of anger, and it needs to be purified. So the liver, it bypasses the liver. You're giving the liver a break. Second thing, our sages say, call the voice. Beautiful concept. Malcolm says in Lesson 21, something beautiful, beautiful. This is in Lesson 21, that we're going to get stuck in life on purpose. Like we said before, your Creator wants to hear from you. That means if I'm not seeing, sometimes I want to see, I want to see that same person, I want to meditate, I want to find something good in that person. But I can't, because my ego, or because my perspective is, 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 is not the right way. So I, sometimes I have to scream out, please help me God, see the good in that person. Please help me. I mean, it's not like I can press a button and say, oh, oh, things are great now. Remember, I'm dealing with my ego. I'm dealing with my, my impulsive nature that wants to do the opposite. My impulsive nature wants to kill the guy. How, now I'm going I'm to meditate on how, on how great the guy is in my life? It's a tremendous break of nature. It's not happening without me crying out to heaven for help. So believe it or not, when you pray, God changes your brain. He changes your brain. Imagine if there was a scientific study. Prayer allows to neuroscience create new neurons. Everybody would be praying. But prayer changes your brain. Because it gets you to higher consciousness. What it does is it removes the negative things that are stopping and blocking your consciousness. Because prayer is the ultimate form of self-sacrifice. It's a self-sacrifice. A good, good indication when you pray properly. This is why I tell people, you, 
the reason why you're frustrated when you pray is because you're trying to change the situation. Understand? You're frustrated. Yeah, it's not working because you're praying the wrong way. But I promise you, if you would have prayed for you to change that situation, you wouldn't be exhausted. You would have energy. That's the whole point. The whole point is people are doing it wrong. Trying to put, put the square into the circle. It's not fitting. It's not fitting. You're not supposed to go into a circle. And this is why people just did. And I feel sorry for them because they're, they're lacking the knowledge to understand you, you're praying for the wrong thing. You're praying for the wrong thing. Reb Nachman says here that crying out to God is necessary when a person is in constricted consciousness. Look at that. He's saying crying out is necessary. You're going to have to cry out. It's not about just figuring out. There's a form of a cry out. In such a contrition consciousness that he does not have any sense of what to do. His mind is blocked. He's trying. Nothing is working. He needs to cry out. The cry allows the attainment of a certain level of das. Das we're referring to is perspective. New consciousness, which is exactly what we need. Remember, I'm in the third grade and I have a fourth grade problem. Somehow... I have to get to the fourth grade consciousness, otherwise I'm stuck in the third grade. So either I can cry out and my creator will give me the fourth grade consciousness, I'm going to give you other forms, but bottom line is, the fourth grade problem is there and I'm in the third grade. i got a big problem, because if I can't get my consciousness to the higher level, then I'm stuck. <laughs> i got a membership there. I'm stuck. That's what being stuck is, recognizing so remember, any time we're stuck, it's because our consciousness is stuck, which is, which is us. You are your consciousness. That's who you are. Your soul that has consciousness. That's who you are. The cry allows us for, to attain a certain level of das, and the redemption, whether personal or national level, is dependent upon das. So now we have the formula. Das, consciousness, is equals mercy. It means the more mercy, the more dot you have, the more mercy you're going to get. Okay? Why do you think we hire people that have experience? What, what's, what's that? What do you, why would you pay such a price for an employee that has experience? Because I don't have to learn mistakes for him. He already went through those mistakes. So he got dots. So there's a higher level of price for that employee. The more dot, the more... I don't have to learn. He's not, I'm not going to have to pay for his mistakes. So I'm going to pay the higher level. You understand? It's very simple in life. The more mindset, you've already gone through those tests. You've already gone through those situations. So there's always a premium on an employee with experience because I'm not going to, I don't have to tell him all the mistakes. It's going to cost me money. So this is why we pay people more money because we want to dust. We don't want to go through the whole learning curve. There's a price for that. And Ramnachman says that all exiles at root is due to a lack of sufficient dust. That's the root of every exile, of every problem, of every situation. Ramnachman is telling you it's your perspective. Back in life. That is the root of the problem. The root of the problem is dust, is perspective. It's the fourth grade problem, you're in the third grade. That is the root of the problem. This is exactly what happens in life when you get comfortable. You stop growing. And guess what happens? But your problems are, are growing. You could stop growing, but somehow your problems and challenges don't stop growing. They get bigger in life. So this is the, this is the root cause of being comfortable. When we get comfortable in life, don't worry, your Yetzirah, your ego, he's not getting comfortable with you. He grows. He grows. <laughs> he's not stopping to grow. So usually you see when people are overwhelmed, Somehow they stop growing. They, got, they stop growing. This, the momentum stops. So what happens? They're faced with too many obstacles at once, too many challenges that they can't handle. But if they had, they kept their mind sharp, they would know what to do. What to do right away. Because they would know the problem is not, the problem is that. They would have to either pray, do charity, do something. They would be already in the solution. But when there's no that, you're in Egypt. This is exactly what Exactly what the Baal Shem Tov is saying. That the root of all exiles is a lack of dot. And the dot is what we, we have to work on today. And remember, the sin 
The first sin happened with the eighth Hadat. That's the root. This first sin is happened with the eighth Hadat. So every rectification has to be through that. Nothing's new on the Asana. That means I have to do whatever I can to like surrender, pray, do whatever I can to get myself out of the rainstorm and get myself into a better place. I have to do whatever I can. I'm going to give you the, the Sibulo today. But recognize, I'm just giving you the exact, you know, what exactly what happened in Egypt. Obviously, this is exactly what the Egyptians wanted. They wanted to conceal the dots. The reason, that's why they declared to kill the males. Because the males are responsible for the dot. The males were able to your whole point in, in your life is not to have resume virtues, but to have legacy. What did you leave in this world? Imagine tomorrow God passes away. What did you leave in this world? What, what did you leave? Ramachal left everything. You're gonna get, you're gonna be known today for what you left. We're, we're this we're still we're living right now, and he's not and he hasn't been alive for, for 250 years. So a person leaves his Torah. He leaves his, his consciousness in this world. A person writes a book. He leaves the Ramach. Left this in the world. You're not here just to work, get stressed, and die, and mean leave nothing in the world. That's not what you're here for. You're here to, to, to carry your dot to your children, and that should be your lineage. That is what, why we're here, to, to be able to get dot and carry it over to our children. So the name still is still there. When we're stuck in our heads and the children not getting anything, then the dot's over. Over. There's no, the lineage stops completely. Understand? That's exactly why Paro went after the males. Because they wanted to say, we're gonna kill the we're gonna kill the mentally. We killed the mentally the dot. We go after the girls. We went after the males. The males represent the dot. And this is exactly what the, the Egyptians wanted. They wanted to conceal the dot because they knew they were in a bitter exile and they were stuck, but they were still saved. Even though they didn't have the ability to see it, they didn't have the ability, but they still were saved only by crying out. So you could be in a situation where you have no idea what to do, no idea what to do. You're confused, beyond confused. You're so confused that you're confused about being confused. <laughs> and you could still be saved from crying out. How do you like that? Just from your tears, just from your cries, that could save you. Isn't that amazing? There's no, there's no such thing as a huge. God will give it to you because you cried out. The Egyptians, there's nothing in Egypt that was allowed. And this is exactly why Moshe Rabbeinu did not want to deal with them. He didn't want to deal with them because he knew they wouldn't listen. They're not going to listen to me anyway. I don't want to deal with this mission. Moshe Rabbeinu represented the dot. And what was their whole fight? They didn't believe in him. So many times we have people, let me help you, it's going to work. I don't believe in it. Nothing's new under the sun. Things like Egypt again. But this is exactly what our ego does. It blocks perspective. My hardest thing in my, in, my, in my rehab to do with my clients is to get them just to listen. Shh. Shut the noise and just listen. You need new information to have new thinking. How could you have new thinking without new information? Same thinking, same information, same thinking. So you really need new information to have new thinking. How else are you going to think better? But what happens when they're not in the mood, they shut down. And then, same thinking. This is why you have to unlearn. This is why the importance of unlearning is because you want to be teachable. In Egypt, the Jews, the Jewish people suffered greatly from their lack of that. This was the basic that Moshe Rabbeinu's refusal to do. When I come to the children, that's what Hashem was telling them, come lead them. He's like, I don't want to deal with them. They're not going to listen. He already knew. They're not going to listen. Their hearts and minds are not going to be there. Still, he was forced, and you, you could recognize exactly what happened in Egypt. It wasn't about, they weren't listening. They were complaining about the mouth. They were always complaining. So they couldn't listen to the information. So that's something that we have to, we have to be careful that when we're not, when we're stuck, and people are trying to help us, if the helicopter's upstairs, get, call the helicopter. Don't tell the helicopter I'm not in the mood. <laughs> yes, you need the help. You know how many times we specifically, we, want, we need help, 
People want to help us? Leave me alone. <laughs> this is exactly what you're doing. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. How many times do we hear that? All the time. How many times do you try to help people? Leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. Many times this happens. Unfortunately, more than more. And yet, that, and yet you can help that person, but it's not the, the, not the situation. It's the way they're looking at the situation. So all you want to tell them is, look, you're not looking at the situation the right way. But because their perspective is so short, they won't, they won't listen. So then, like Rabbi Nachman said in a beautiful class, you have to get underneath the table with them. You have to build rapport with them, one by one. You literally have to take, get, go away from your space and just build rapport. I had a whole class on that. And you have to do little baby steps with them. You literally have to get underneath the table. He calls it the turkey prince. There was a prince that was acting like a turkey, took off all his clothes and started eating bones underneath the table. So what happened? What did the prince do? He had to take all his clothes off and he started becoming a turkey just like him. In order to build rapport with him and get to his level. Because if you tell a guy, you're a turkey, he's going to tell you, I know I'm a turkey. You, I need, you need to tell me I'm a turkey? Because it's a very, you have to be very careful. Try to help people. There's a, it's a science to it. You have, it's like almost going into a very dark room and you can't just turn on the lights and say, here you go, wake up! You've been in a dark room for a long time. <laughs> you turn on the lights, not only are you are not going to help him, but you're going to blind him, he's going to confuse. So the way you do it and how you do it is a whole different science to do. That's a whole different class. We're not going to get into that. Another way you can, Rav Nachman says, you can motivate yourself, believe it or not, is by helping people. It's unbelievable. I, sometimes I'm more motivated than the person. And I'm like, how come I'm happy and he's not even changing? Why am I so excited and I feel like I'm talking to a wall? And yet I'm excited. Never understood that. He's not getting, you know, you're, you're feeding off the energy. You're trying to feed off the energy. You're trying to help the person, but you're not getting anything back. Right? And Rabbi Nachman says this in Lesson 184. When a person speaks with his friend about the fear of God, a direct light and a reflected light is created. Right now, I'm giving you a direct light, but I'm getting a direct light right back. Understand? Occasionally, the reflected light precedes the directed light. This happens when the recipient has a very weak intellect. Right? And he's not able to grasp his, his friend's words. But what happens is, imagine, like, literally, I take a baseball, or I take a tennis ball, and I hang it around the wall. I'm getting the light that I'm giving to the wall. I'm just filling it and coming right back to me. Coming right back to me. So you should never give up trying to help people, even if they don't listen. You're still going to be motivated by those words. Because you're giving off a light and you're getting a reflected light back. Understand? Always never give up on helping people, never give up on people. It's never a waste of time. Because you're going to get a new life from it. This is what he's saying here. When the person speaks to his friend, about the fear of God, even if the friend does not receive from him. He, the speaker, nevertheless receives inspiration from his friend. As a result of the impact, the words that went out from his friend come right back to him. It's just like a person throwing an object on the wall. The object returns to him in the same way he speaks to his friend. Even though his friend doesn't hear him, he gets motivated by his own words. Look at that. What a gift. You can motivate yourself. So there's ne don't give up on people who don't listen. Keep on talking. You're just going to get a lot. How many times do we get stuck in our life and try to help somebody? They don't listen, but somehow you feel better. And you feel guilty about feeling better. And they're not feeling, they're not changing. The answer is, you got reflected light. I use this trick all the time. Hey, they don't want to listen, it's okay, I'll get reflected light anyway. You get reflected light, that's the power of giving you will always get new light. So don't give up on stubborn people. No matter what darkness they are, you are always going to get the light. That's why power of public speaking is not even caring what the audience thinks or looks or if they're happy, they're not happy. Who cares? You're getting the light back. You're getting the light back. Free light. If they get it, wonderful. If they don't, I'm still getting the light. Understand? That's the key to public speaking. You know how you lose that light? When you're worried about people thinking, what they say. They like the class. Who cares? <laughs> say the light. That is ultimately the key. The key to a good public class, speaking publicly, 
It's you and Hashem is that open his bodedut. Everybody else is just, they have to hear what they have to hear. <laughs> That's the key to public speaking. That's why you shouldn't really try to find the perfect speech or try to perfect it. Because at the end of the day, God tells you what they need to hear, etc. It's like an aura of, sh aura of, of conversation between you and God. Doesn't matter if there's 500 people, 1,000 people, it's the same thing. Doesn't matter what they say, they like it, they don't like it. Wonderful. Anybody can be a public speaker. All you have to do is not care what people say and, or think, and you can do the same thing. Just tell me. I, I did not take any public speaking classes. But once I read this Torah, I know the formula. That it doesn't matter. It's not like I have to worry. Because once I worry, my, 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 my communication stops. Communication stops. You stop, you stop, you're not focused on what you have to say. Remember, getting yourself out of a mess, you have no light, go help somebody else out. Go speak a nice word to somebody else, even if you're stuck. There's something most people say, how can I help them if I have my own issues? This is, this is not the way you should be thinking. And it's a common way to think. How can I help that guy? Look at the problems I have. You're like, I feel like a liar. No. No. You are going to get out of your head. Right now, you've got to get out of your head at any expense. The solution is because you're too stuck in your head. You have to do whatever you can to get out of your head. It doesn't mean you know the world. You could be, everybody has an issue in their life that they're, they're struggling with. But that doesn't mean your life cannot be good. Just because you're not, you know, they always say that the, the, the shoe man never has shoes. Doesn't mean he doesn't know how to do shoes. He might not have shoes, but doesn't mean he doesn't have skills. Many people they shy away from, from giving good input or helping people because of this issue, because they're going to say, they're not going to listen to me anyway. Look, they're going to see my situation. Completely wrong approach. So your job is, again, to always have this light bouncing. That's why it's so important. You know, in my recovery centers, you know, people get better just from talking. They get better just from talking because they're, they're communicating, they're expressing things out, they're helping each other, and they feel better because they're getting this directed light. So sometimes I don't understand why they're feeling so much better. It's because you are meant to connect to people. This is how you get serotonin. I give you a nice word, you give me a nice word, serotonin, easy. Save the Prozac, save all that stuff. Easy. Serotonin. Serotonin uptake. Con connect. When you connect to people, you're wired to connect, you can get serotonin. Another beautiful thing Rav Nachman says, Lesson 106. And this is why I told you guys before in a different class, you will always have people that need help when like, you're overwhelmed. I always said that to you guys all the time. Always happens. You're overwhelmed, you're stuck in your head, and all of a sudden this guy needs something. You're, you're saying, well, uh, don't I have enough issues to deal with? Don't I have to deal with your issue? We say that all the time. But your issue is what's going to help me in my issue. You understand? Because what happens is when I'm helping somebody else, I get into a different state. So when I get into a different state, I look at the situation I'm in differently. You understand? I change my state. That's the key. The key is the state changing the shape. Lesson 106, another phenomenal Torah. Lesson 106 from Nachman says, take Psalm 41 too. And he says, praiseworthy is he who imparts wisdom to the needy. On the day of evil, God will save him from harm. Understand this verse? It's another one I use all the time. I say, God, I'm, I'm on the day of evil, God. I need you to save me. <laughs> Remember that line. Praiseworthy, you can say this, Psalm 41. You say that, you say, Asher maskil al-dal, Praiseworthy. That means you could have helped the guy on Tuesday or Wednesday. The next thing you know, Friday, you're in trouble. Because you helped that guy on Tuesday, on the day of Friday, Hashem's going to help you fix that situation only because you have a reserve. You have a reserve account. And you're literally, like, just like a person needing reserves, you, do, you did a good deed the other day, that good deed is going to save you today. This is what Rav Nachman says. And it's brought in the Talmud, in Gemara 41. There is no poverty other than that. Like we said before. There's no poverty other than the way you're looking at it. That is the poverty. The poverty is the mindset. That's what the Gemara is telling you. This is not even Rav Nachman. It's a famous, it's a, it's a Gemara. Gemara Nadari. There's no poverty other than that. 
Remember that line. This calls for compassion because there's no more, nothing more in want of compassion than this. And he says here, now this poverty applies to both a broad and particular way. In a broad application, the person who worships God with wisdom, without wisdom. And he says here, somebody who has mastered wisdom must teach wisdom. Whatever you learn, you must spread it. You must spread the wisdom. You have to. So it's very important to have friends, people you speak to, because what's happening is you need to take, this is the idea of a chavrusa, where people study together. Because they're each helping each other. Exactly the idea of a chavrusa. They're getting that light back and forth, etc. And it says here, this, when a person is lacking that, he falls into constriction consciousness. Which is a bad mood, being stuck, not seeing the good in the situation. That's what we call constriction consciousness. When his consciousness is so constricted, that he's, he doesn't want to deal with that issue. He must expand his consciousness. Like we just said before, when he attains expanded consciousness, listen to this slide, all harsh judgments are mitigated and loving kindness follows him. Okay? Imagine a person in my recovery center all of a sudden saying, wow, I had to go through this situation in order to have a spiritual awakening. There's no need to wake that person up anymore. He got the whole point of it. Now he's in the up. He's in expanded consciousness. Now he looks at this as a favor from God. Now he sees the past as a favor. He's in expanded consciousness. He's, a, he's, a, he, he's woken, as we say today. You know, the woke, the woke movement, spiritually woken. Pretty much the same thing. He, he woke up. Or he goes on dates and he gets rejected on every single date. And he recognizes there's nothing to do with the woman, it has to do with me. And he changes and he gets better. And he fixes what he needs to fix. And next thing you know, he starts attracting better people. So he should say, wow, I didn't recognize that God did me a favor. If I didn't get rejected, I wouldn't recognize what was wrong with me. So the rejection is actually love. Who can see that today? You have to be able to see the big picture. Big picture mindset. That is what God wants from you. The bigger your picture, the bigger pic the picture, the more He can give you. The smaller the picture, what room is there to give you? What room can I give you? Even if I fix your broken toy, okay, what are you gonna say tomorrow? Another toy broke. Do you understand the problem? It's like a kid saying, fix my broken toy. What's gonna happen tomorrow? Another toy is gonna break. He's gonna tell you what? Fix it again. Instead of saying, why am I breaking all the toys? Tell the kid, stop breaking the toys, and then you'll have to fix them. He can't, because he's a kid. Two-year-old, three-year-old, tell him his consciousness just keeps on breaking, he's not going to get a new one. It's not, you can't tell him, because his consciousness is... What does a two-year-old do when something breaks? Screams! Tell him, no, you shouldn't scream, you should look at it a different way, look at all the toys <laughs> you have in the room. The kid, the toy breaks, what does he do? Scream. But there's some grown, grown people that do the same thing. <laughs> Something breaks, they scream like a two-year-old. Yes? Very grown adults I've seen. They do the same thing that the two-year-old does. They scream when the toy breaks. And what do they say to the Creator? Fix my broken toy. Or I'm checking out spiritually. They abandon my app, they throw away this, they throw away that. Unfortunately, this is what happens. That's what we do. We throw away the book, we throw away the prank book, we throw away this, we throw away the fulfillment, we throw away everything that goes down the toilet. So we can get back to God. Yay! This is what we do. Unfortunately, this is what we do. How many times has this happened? How many times has this happened? Throw away the ESPN app, throw away the Instagram. Why are you throwing away my app? Put it out. I'm not even charging you anything, you understand? Because they want to punish God. This is a mindset that we do. We want to throw away, throw away spirituality. That's what's going to help you. But this is exactly the consciousness that we're doing. We've all been there. We've all been there. But recognize what a two-year-old does is exactly what happens when your emotions are running the show. And your creator's expecting you to not be a two-year-old. And not throw in the towel every time something goes wrong. 
And we always say there's blessing in disguise. And that means there has to be an amuna aspect. You can't just throw the towel when, when things are not going right in your, in your life. You can't do that because then you can't make a vessel. What vessel can you make? What vessel can you make? How can I give you a bigger shefa? All you're going to do is going to make a bigger problem. You understand? And this is unfortunately what we do. This is what we do. We throw away the towel. We get into that dark space and we dump everything out. And Baruch Hashem, I'm trying to get people back. And people tell me, listen, think, you constantly, like, no, it's you change your thinking. You change your thinking. You constantly change. I can only tell you why you're thinking like this. And this is what he's saying here. Praiseworthy. And this is why anytime I'm stuck, automatically I do something. Cry out, give charity, help people. I know that the problem is I'm thinking too much in my own head. That is the problem. The problem is the consciousness. I do something. I give charity. It's a business issue. Help somebody else out. Fast. Pray more. Wake up earlier that night to pray, because I know I'm the one in darkness. It's not the situation, I'm just not seeing it correctly. The darkness is inner, not outer. This is why I tell people, sometimes you have to hang in there. You can't just smoke and do something just because you don't want to feel. You have to, you can't, you have to feel. You have to feel. Here, you have to understand that. This is, this is the, the, why addictions are such an issue. Such an issue. Doesn't allow you to grow. Doesn't allow you to show your build the vessel. Doesn't allow you to do anything. That's the problem. It's forget what the drug does for you. The, 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 the bigger problem is the lack of growth in the person's life, and the and the lack of renewal and the lack of you understand. That is the worst. That is the worst part. Than than the substance, whether whatever substance it is. It could be Kit Kat bars, for God's sake. Who cares? I'm just telling you. You have to face your stuff, not stuff your face. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but now we understand why. It's because God wants you to change your perspective. All He wants you to do is change your perspective. All He wants you to do is do that. And He tells you the, the problem. The problem is the way you're looking at it. So the system is made that if you don't grow, you're going to get stuck. That's the system. That's how the system is made. The system cannot be made, well, you know what? I, I learned two years ago, and now I'm good. No, it's made where you have to grow. Because if you don't grow, your perspective is not getting bigger, and then you're going to get stuck one way or another. And every single situation happens the same way. What happens? People got stuck. They stopped learning. They gave this up. They gave that up. And here comes the big, big issues. And here comes the big problems. With, with now smaller minds. Because as long as you're growing, you can deal with the issues. You have a mindset. You're an expanded consciousness. You know what to do. You give charity, you do this. You, you get out of your own head. You know what the issues are. But once you're, you're not growing, then the issues just become overbearing. And then the greatest thing that could happen is a complete breakdown. Because a complete breakdown creates the new person. <laughs> so that's when a complete breakdown is actually a gift from heaven. You're saying, oh my God, look at my whole life falling apart. It had to happen like that, because otherwise you would never... You would never wake up and, and, and see a different picture. A midlife crisis is, is, is a blessing in disguise. I always tell people that. Because the way you were going, imagine living life as a C student. That's it, 70C student. You can't, you're, you're, you're mediocre. You're not up, you're not down, flat. Your creator would rather you fall on your face to recreate yourself. So the fall is actually love. Understand? But number one, if you're not growing, you're not giving, you're going to get stuck. And this is why anxiety is, is usually connected to three things. Self-absorption, self-comparison, or outcome obsession. It's too much in the head. Being too much in your head. And not enough in the moment. You're growing, you don't have so much anxiety. You're, you're challenged. It's a, it's a different kind of anxiety. It's a healthy anxiety. It's a challenging anxiety. Versus what's going to happen, this is going to happen, what's going to happen with this, I'm worried about that. That's a, that anxiety, that, this is all nonsense. It's control, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of energy, it's a guaranteed way to get stuck. And it's a lack of consciousness. Because you know exactly that 
when you're trying to control and you're trying to worry and all that, you get in your Creator's way. Now you have no shot. Because if you get in your Creator's way, how could you get... How could you, how could you, how could you be open? This is why David Amalek always said, and David Amalek went through the toughest things in his life. He said always the same thing. My heart is hollow. My heart is hollow. Always talking about his heart being hollow. Big concept. I'm not attached to anything. I'm hollow. I'm hollow. I'm open. You understand? I'm hollow. I could, when I'm hollow and I'm, and I'm open, I can see everything. But if I'm stuffed, I'm stuck in trauma, I'm stuck in this, my heart is not open. My heart is hollow. We say every single day in our prayers, create a pure heart in my heart. Give me the pure heart. Because if we don't have that pure heart, we're out of, we're out of commission. We're out of commission. That pure heart is very important because the pure heart is where you create. The pure heart is where you, the, the pure heart is where you connect. That pure heart is not pure. Where am I going to connect with? Alexa, how am I going to connect? Who's going to pray for me? Alexa? Alexa, pray for me. I'm stuck. Who's going to help me? <laughs> Who's going to pray for me? Who's going to pray for me? If I'm stuck, if I don't have my heart, it's exactly what, what, what the consciousness comes. This is why our sages say, I will give them wisdom to all those who are wise-hearted. Back again, where is the wisdom is coming to the wise-hearted. There's a connection between the open heart and getting wisdom. It means your Creator will give you the wisdom. He'll get you out of the problem, but He wants you engaged. He wants you engaged. This is why Rabbi Nachman, it's nothing but fire. Fire, fire, fire. The logo, the breast of logo is fire. Because He's telling you, you gotta stay on fire. There's another fire chasing you. And if that fire is not renewed, constantly kindled, what's gonna happen? That fire is gonna blow out from you. And this is what's happening. People's fires are gone. The fire, the spark, the newness. It could be a coronavirus knocked out your fire. Some, many fires are, people are just checked out, not interested, etc. It's, it's pain. It's pain. And this is exactly what Rabbi Nachman says. When a person attains this expanded consciousness through either helping, remember we can get expanded consciousness by now. If I take my consciousness, I give it to you, I help you. I can now get a different consciousness, or if it's by praying, by praying, screaming out, or by learning, that's another way, or by, then what happens is when you get to expand the consciousness, loving kindness and compassion awaken to you, and that situation becomes an opportunity. That's the whole formula. You invoke, so it's not that God changes, God doesn't change. But what happens is, is when you're in a better state of mind, you awaken the name Yurke Babke and the name of Kel. Those two names are a name of compassion and mercy. Those two names are awakened for you because you're in that state. But if you're a, that means God has many names. But when you're not in a good state, you're, you're, you're in the name of Teva, you're in the name of nature. That's the name of chance, Concealment, you're, you're left to the odds of the world. But when you have expanded dots, what happens is you get unstuck. Because what, what makes me get unstuck? My mind is open. What makes my mind be open? My creator opens up my mind, gives me compassion, gives me mercy. And that gets me out of the unstuckness. So this is why we're stuck in life. Because we're, we're not we're just looking at the issue and doing nothing. Either checking out, not growing. Being stuck is a sign that there's a lot of internal work to do. It's okay to be temporarily stuck, but it's always teaching you, just like any emotion, just like any emotion that we get. We get a negative emotion, you have to look at it very, very impartial. Okay, I have a negative emotion. A negative emotion is teaching me to change two things, procedure or perspective. That is the point of a negative emotion. But if you live in that emotion, it becomes suppressed. So just like an emotion, signal what needs to be changed procedure your movement or the way you're looking at it this is exactly what the same thing about being stuck it's only God telling us something needs to change so what were you doing or how you're doing it and when you do that you're, you're in the solution 
there's no God, why'd you give me this? Or, or God changed, or, or this person changed. That's, that's a wasting your time. You're not, you're not seeing the big picture. This is how you get stuck in life. And Hashem help us all that we should always, always get unstuck in our lives. We should always grow. And remember, very important, you should have people in your life you discuss these ideas with. You learn something right away, you have to give it away. Because you're going to have a day where you're going to get stuck in your life. You're going to need that pasuk. You're going to need that pasuk, believe me. When you get stuck one day, you don't know what's flying, you're going to need, I need to redeem emergency dot that I had the other day. <laughs> this is why when I'm in a good mood, I store up a lot of mitzvot. I do a lot of hesed. Because I know when I'm not in a good mood, I'm going to need it. So our sages say, when you feel good, take advantage of those days. When you feel good, run. Run as much as you can. Because you're going to need it when you can't run as much. And because you did it when you ran, you're going to get saved. Because you did good when you ran. That's what, when you feel good, in your peak state, go all in. Go all in. Just like a workout, you have a tremendous energy, work out as much as you can. Because there's days you're going to go to the gym, you're going to have no strength. May Hashem help us all. May Hashem help us all that we should all go to expand the consciousness. Have a great day.